0: scripture today is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were on the way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk alongside with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happen there in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into His glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us, because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So, he went in and stayed with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread.
1: Uh, welcome Reverend Darren, uh, here to share with us. Darren has been a mate of mine for probably as long as I've been here in Canada, pretty much. And uh, we've, you know, we've, we, yeah, he's uh, as I, as I constantly think to myself, there are very few people I would like to spend time with than uh, Reverend Darren. Uh, or as we used to call him, Fat Pastor, back in the day. <laughs> it, that was his email address, wasn't it? Was it not your email address? Yes. So, uh, so he's, he's, uh, he's a wonderful example to me, um, you know, uh, just of, um, you know, peace, finding peace in the Lord spiritual disciplines, um, how to lead, uh, how to pray, all of these kind of things. And so uh, I'm, I'm really excited to have him preach our lectionary passage this morning. Um, I'm going to pray and then uh, we'll, we will hear what God has to say to us through him. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Darren. uh Lord, that um, you have laid your hand on him. That uh, you have called him into ministry, uh, that you are using him, Lord God, in a really powerful way. I thank you for what we just heard yeah, from Hannah about how there's this uh, uh, renewal of focus um, regarding prayer, which is happening at the lake, um, Lord, through through him and how you're using him. Lord, I pray that uh, as, as we hear him this morning, uh, we would hear you. And uh, Lord, that we would be excited, we would be encouraged, um, and that we we would be challenged uh, in the way that you want to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So he is the pastor at Silver Lake, uh, and uh, um, and his wife Joy is also here with us this morning. And uh, so I think that's all, all of the stuff that I want to say. Let's give him uh, another round of applause. Um,
2: It's not reaching this morning. Can you hear me? Do I have this on? This is on, yeah. All good there? Yeah. You can you can go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now you're on. Now I'm on. There we go. Okay, good. Thanks, Dan. And thanks for that generous introduction. Kinda maybe set the expectation expectations way too high, but uh, <laughs> I'm really glad to be with you here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my, as Dan, you should know me by now after that introduction. But, uh, pastored at Sunnyside, as an assistant associate pastor, worship leader, youth—that's how Dan and I met years and years ago, uh, when Curtis was probably in university. So that's how long ago <laughs> it was. So, um, and uh, since then, moved on from Sunnyside. I now work for the city, drive for repair transpo, and I work at silver lake and uh thanks Scott. (laughs) and uh and and thank you for your support of camps and camp ministry i know some of you are Zion hill uh, supporters some of you support silver lake some of you go to that other camp down in westport area camp iowa i know you sneak off there sometimes but uh (laughs) as hannah mentioned prayer is important for us at Silver Lake and we've been really pressing in. We've been praying uh, year-round. And uh, in January, we start with our monthly prayer meetings. We go the, until June. When camp season's on, we have prayer things going out every day. Then we do weekly prayer things in the fall. But I just want you to know, we've been praying as well for all the camps. We've been praying for Zion Hill. We've been praying for Camp Iowa, praying for all the other camps in the area. You know, at camp ministry is, the pandemic has been hard on camps. But our prayer is that the camps will be so full that we'll need more camps. So, so that God would continue to move and use camp ministry. And uh, our goal at Silver Lake, our mission is to share the love of Jesus through camp ministry with as many people as possible. So, thanks for being us, uh, having us here this morning. And as we are here on this uh, third Sunday of the Easter season, we're going to look at that passage in Luke. Uh, 24 it's if you want to use your pew bibles i believe it's page 749 in the red bibles or you can turn in your devices to there if you want to follow along Um, but as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic i don't know how about you but it just feels like uh, it's life is a moving target all the circumstances nothing seems to be kind of what they were Uh, there's just a lot of it feels like uncertainty and chaos around us you know if you think of the political things that are going on globally i mean as we in the information age and we have access we know kind of what's happening around the world right and you know the war in ukraine there's now a war in sudan and and you know china and there's always in north korea there's always kind of these threats politically uh, our economy is kind of up and down we're in a stage of hyperinflation and job security is an issue you know we've got strikes going on our environment you know it's used to be global warming now it's climate change but we've had more power outages and it seems like in the past little while or floods or you know two weeks ago we had an ice storm and then the week after it was 25 degrees almost so um just pick one please um (laughs) you know in our society and culture it's it's just all over the map um like anything can go now, and even what was probably considered, you know, almost taboo is now celebrated. Uh, some of the things that were, even our language, some of our language can be now considered hate speech. Some parts of the Bible are, are up for debate about being hate speech in, in Canada. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty and that is creeping into the church younger generations there was a survey done in 2017 about for young people who kind of grew up in church and then went off between ages of um, 18 and 22 seven out of ten of them once they went out on their own didn't return to church uh, in 2017 I believe in the US the, the stat is, is that 4,500 churches closed well maybe 3,000 churches started so there seems to be an erosion sometimes of faith in what's important, and we live in a pagan environment where anything goes and this these kind of this culture and atmosphere of uncertainty of shifting sand can make us doubt and feel anxious and we wonder where is God and that can help increase our uh, challenges our faith it can make us doubt it can make us anxious and living in uh, these times, we're not sure what to do. We wonder where is God. But as we look at this passage this morning, I wanna encourage you as a church, that God is at work and we need to be faithful. In, the, in our passage this morning, we see uh, it's right after Jesus has been crucified, and it's the Sunday morning out of his resurrection. We find two people walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Uh, Mayus, not exactly sure exactly where it was and um, But they figure it was the place wherever they were heading was roughly about seven seven and a half miles or so outside of Jerusalem So that's kind of like walking not quite the same but walking from here to South Carleton High School South Carlton is maybe Eight eight and a half miles rough roughly so you get get the idea Has anyone ever walked to South Carleton from here? Missed the bus? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe hitchhike. Uh, so that so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a walk. It's a bit of a hike. And as they're going, you know, the scriptures telling us they're they're discussing uh, things are uncertain, right? Because they were following Jesus. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. Believed that Jesus was going to come and restore Israel to it, the proper place uh, that God had intended for it, a place of power of of God's kingdom through the people of Israel. But yet just three days earlier, Jesus is taken completely dehumanized and beaten and tortured and hung on a cross. And with him, their hopes in the Messiah. And as they're totally dejected in grief, not knowing what's going on in despair, anxiety many of the disciples are closeted away in Jerusalem this couple is walking back to their home probably in a and as they're walking they've heard rumors Jesus is not dead he's risen and so they're afraid I think to hope and that's probably what they're arguing about like can it really happen afraid to hope there's uncertainty is God really doing what he's doing? So this morning, as we look at this text, I just want to share some observations with you to encourage you as a church. And so as they're walking, it says Jesus kind of suddenly some in translations say he suddenly appeared. But he, he just kind of sidles up beside them. Right? And they're walking along, but they're kept from recognizing him. Now Maybe that's a a God thing. Maybe, you know, I don't think they were actually expecting Jesus to show up. Uh, So they weren't really expecting him. And Jesus probably in his resurrected body looked a little bit different. But he suddenly appears. But they didn't question where he came from. They were kind of so locked in on on their own grief and, and whatever was going on. So Jesus asked them in verse 17, he says, what are you discussing? Now, this response from Cleopas, I think, is rather interesting. Right? He says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? Now, think about who he's saying that to. Right? He's saying that to Jesus, who is in the middle of everything that went on. Right? That's like me <coughs> saying to Pastor Dan. You know, if I, I didn't know who Pastor Dan was. Are you the only daft bloke in Ottawa that doesn't know about this cool church in North Gore with these awesome people? That's, what, that's kind of what it was like. You know, and Jesus could answer it in a number of different ways. Pastor Dan could answer that in a number of different ways. You know, I know they're the coolest people in Ottawa. <laughs> right? I hear the pastor's wife is the most awesomest person ever. Or, that church has a grow room, I mean a showroom, Um, right? Dan could answer that a number of different ways. And Jesus could answer that in a number of different ways. Like, yeah, I know, I was there. I was really there, right? But instead, Jesus doubles down and says on his question, what things are you discussing? Right, Jesus is not going to be moved off his purpose Uh, through their response. He's got a plan. And so he wants to draw them out and, and reveal himself to them in a different way. Not in the way probably that they wanted. So here's the first observation. I forgot I had this. Jesus is at work and with us even if we don't recognize him. Even if we can't see it. God is at work in the midst of what seems, when we can't, uh, we feel uncertain or we're having doubts or we feel anxious. We may be in grief or despair. We wonder where God is and what he's doing, but we can't see it. He's at work. Even in today's world, with all that's going on, God is at work. There are stories of revival happening in Iran, in China, in Africa. We've had revival here in March and February at Asbury, but God is at work. So we need to trust that even though times we cannot see him or experience or feel him, he's at work. And sometimes in the midst of our grief, In the midst of our doubt, you know, we may say to God, you know, are you the only one who doesn't know what I'm going through? Are you the only one that doesn't know how much I hurt? But God does know, and He has a plan. And He does care for you, and He is with you in the midst of that. God is caring for all of creation. You know, the 7 billion plus people in the world, he's caring for us. And he has a plan. And while in our Western culture, God seems more diminished, he is at work around the world. But we have to have faith in the midst of that, and in the midst of our circumstances. So how do we do that? Well, let's consider um, what Jesus said to the disciples walking, his response to them. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? At the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus' response to them, you dummies, right? Why are you suffering so? Didn't you read scripture? Jesus has given them a little tough love, right, in the the midst of their grief. And so he points them to the Bible. He points them to Scripture. And it's interesting to note here that as Jesus does so, he interprets Scripture in light of what it says about himself and God's plan through Jesus. Jesus introduces a new way to read scripture. It's, some theologians call this the Christological hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is just a way of tra- interpreting or uh, translating, the, a methodology of interpreting the Bible. So following Jesus' example then, when we read scripture, we read the Old Testament now in light of the New Testament. We read the New Testament in life in light of the Gospels. We read the gospel in light of what does it tell us about who Jesus is and his ministry. Scripture is God's revelation about his love and his plan for us. It's a resource, it's our primary revelation about who God is and who Jesus is. And it's not just to know him, but to allow us to grow in our faith and experience God and encounter him. You know, in Scripture, we can use it for a lot of other different things, but unless it's really about telling us who Jesus is, it becomes something we can weaponize or use for our own purposes. So the second observation is this. In times of uncertainty, we have to remember that God is at work, and we need to look to Scripture uh, for what it tells us about Jesus. Jesus. So as they journey on in this passage and Jesus explains to them and opens up to them, you know, what the Bible tells them about him, uh, they kind of get to their destination and they're, they they kind of stop. And Jesus is like, well, keeps kind of moving on. And the, <laughs> it's kind of it. Uh, he kind of waits for them almost to ask him, but. They urge him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So they invite him to come and stay. And so he went in to stay with them. And as we look at this passage and other kind of stories about Jesus, Jesus has this way of either just showing up, as he did at the start of the journey. And if you look in later on in uh, verse 36, Jesus just suddenly appears to the disciples. But there's other times when Jesus kind of waits or he's passing by, right? In the story of Zacchaeus, uh, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. So Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' place. But Zacchaeus welcomes him, right? In, In Mark 6, the disciples go out on the boat and they're in a storm and they're straining at the oars. And Jesus walks out on the water and it says in verse forty-nine or, uh, 48, he was about to pass by them. That must have been kind of like, they thought it was a ghost. But I mean, someone walking on the water, but you're in the middle of a storm and he's about to pass by. And they cry out to Jesus and he comes into the boat. And Revelation 3.20 talks about Jesus standing at the door knocking. If you open the door, he'll come in and eat with you and fellowship with you. So Jesus has, there's these encounters with Jesus where sometimes he just shows up and sometimes he's passing by. In, in both cases, though, there's a response required from us. We either need to respond to his initiation when he shows up or we need to invite him in. When he's passing by in either way we have to make space for God for Jesus we have to be willing to let our lives be disrupted or interrupted you know it's kind of sometimes you know in our busy culture we've got plans and we need to follow those plans just as they are and you know if your friends from out of town show up that you haven't seen for years well I may have time to fit you in, you know, for 15 minutes for a coffee, but if they want to invite themselves over, right, it's, it gets complicated, it can be inconvenient. You know, and sometimes Jesus comes knocking, and it's like, well, I'm just about to binge uh, this series on Netflix, <laughs> right? Or Jesus shows up, and we have to make space for him and interrupt him. Be willing to be interrupted. But I would encourage you, even as you go throughout, you know, the daily things of your life, invite Jesus in. When you get up in the morning and you're about to get on the school bus or on your drive to work, invite Jesus to join you. As you go to school, as you go into a meeting, invite Jesus in. and be interesting to see how he meets you in those places. So here's the third observation. In times of uncertainty, we need to invite Jesus to walk with us. We need to invite him in even to our doubt and our anxiety and our grief, into all aspects of our lives. Here's the fourth observation that I notice in this passage. In the midst of their grief and their sorrow of the fear, the disciples are together. They're never alone, they're in community. And we were created to be in community. We're created to go through life and share experiences and support one another and and be like Christ to one another. So in times of uncertainty, be in community be willing to be vulnerable with one another and to love one another and to journey together in the good times and bad. And this is very closely tied to the next point. But as they invite Jesus in, they are talking and all of a sudden Jesus takes the bread, blesses it and breaks it. Their eyes are opened, right? They recognize Jesus. And then he disappears. What I find fascinating about that is that they must have seen Jesus do that somewhere before to recognize it. You know, before Jesus goes to the cross, he has the last supper where he breaks the bread and gives the cup and he says, this is my body. And the cup is the new covenant in his blood. The breaking of the bread is symbolizing of The bread is his body given to us. And we, the church, are what are we? Jesus is the head and we are the body. There's a a significance here in Jesus breaking the bread in communion. I find it interesting that, you know, maybe we, I don't know if you use actual bread here, but sometimes, you know, the tradition is to take a loaf and break it. And as we all partake of that loaf together, We ingest the body of Jesus and identify our need of Jesus. And so that unites us. But the bread itself, the whole loaf, finds itself made whole again as we all have a part of it. We become the body of Christ. And so I think what Luke is trying to point to here is that Jesus is using us for his kingdom. And so communion is a sense of of, of fellowship, a sense of prayer, a sense of worship. Samuel Chadwick said this about the meaning of prayer. If you want to read a great book on prayer, read some Samuel Chadwick. He was a minister back in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. Just fabulous stuff. But he says this, the inner meaning of prayer, it's more than asking It is communion, fellowship, cooperation, identification with God, the Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit. Prayer is more than words, for it is mightiest when wordless. It is more than asking, for it reaches its highest glory when it adores and asks nothing. So this idea that when we're being the body, we are in sync with God. right? We don't even need to say anything. It's being in communion, it's in worship, in fellowship. So in times of uncertainty, we need to be the body, the church, more than ever. In these days, when life all around us seems to be in chaos, the world is looking for answers. And Jesus breaks the bread and says, look here. Right. And I think um, Luke is doing this because this is, you know, he wrote the book of Acts, right? So he knows what he's, what he's going to write next. So this is kind of a precursor or, you know, like an Easter egg. Uh, if you know Mar- the Marvel universe, where in the movies, there's all these things in the background. This is a literal Easter egg in the Easter story of what is to come where Jesus is establishing the church to pronounce the gospel of the kingdom, that God is gonna use the church to share the good news. Right? And the gospel is that God has come through Jesus, lived this life with all its ups and downs and pains, experienced death, something that God's never experienced before, but that we experience. So God fully enters into our experience, redeems it, overcomes it, comes to new life, so that we might have a fullness of life in this life and the hope of eternal life. That is good news. And Jesus wants us to be sharing that good news. The world is looking for a firm foundation. And this morning, we need to encounter Jesus and his life-changing power through the Holy Spirit. Because as they did in Emmaus, as they got there and Jesus broke the bread, their response was, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Now, this is not heartburn, <laughs> right? This is not like a pain. Uh, it's a sense of you know, hope becoming reality. It's a sense of joy It's kind of like, but more than, you know, Leaf fans have in October. (laughs) Maybe even now that they'll get out of the first round. Or, you know, when you're watching a movie and the hero and the heroine are about to kiss, right? And you've been waiting for that to happen. It's kind of like that, but way more than that. Your heart's overflowing with joy so much so that it's burning because they've encountered Jesus. They had hoped he was the Messiah. Those hopes were crushed on the cross and now they've encountered the living and risen Christ. I can only imagine, but their hearts were burning within them. And so the question I have for you as a church this morning is something burning are you encountering Jesus even though life is hard and things are all over the place and up and down and there's no our world is seems like it's in chaos have faith that God is at work have faith that he's with you even if you can't see him turn to scripture and look for Jesus and what he says about these times Invite Jesus in. Look for him to show up. Be together. Be the church. You may be the coolest people in Ottawa, but have your hearts set on fire so that you may want to walk from here to Richmond to tell people about Jesus and to the ends of the earth. May God bless you. Amen. God, would you just come now and reveal yourself to us and stir our hearts through your Holy Spirit. And God, as the disciples waited for you in the upper room, you move in power. We're not alone. So empower us now by your Spirit to see you and meet you in new ways. I ask in your name. Amen.